Hey guys, DJ here. This is a disclaimer. Applied Materials is a 100% non-profit, fan-made project set within the Orpheus Protocol game system. The Orpheus Protocol is an actual play podcast and tabletop role-playing game system created by Rob Stith and published by Varkalak Press. If you'd like to know more, please check out the main podcast at www.orpheusprotocol.com and patreon.com slash orpheusprotocol if you'd like to show more support for the main podcast. Thank you for your time, and please enjoy the following episode. Tired? Thirsty? Low on energy? Try new Enercola today, which is the right amount of caffeine and sugar that your body needs to stay awake throughout your day. It comes in five bright and vibrant flavors for any occasion. Get yours today. Welcome to Hollywood is Bleeding, an Orpheus Protocol fanserver production, starring Greg as Caspian Smith III, Kale as Oscar Wint, Darby as Lucy Mercury, and me, DJ, as your host for tonight. Hollywood is Bleeding contains scenes of cult infiltration, industrial espionage, cancerous info hazards, and Scientology. Consider this your warning. Start from the top, Kale. Uh, what does Oscar look like? The entire inspiration for this Oscar character was actually the face of Mackenzie Crook. So he's kind of a nervous, thin, middle-aged guy. Not a looker. Very sort of lacking in self-assurance. That's Oscar Wint, the erstwhile uh, butcher, serial killer, and cannibal. Next up on my list is Caspian. So what does Caspian look like? So uh, Caspian is early 50s. He's 5'9", 160 pounds. He's light skin. He's got a salt and pepper hair buzz short to kind of hide the fact that he's balding. He's in pretty good shape for a man of his age, but he wears stuff that's maybe a bit too fashion forward, and he doesn't pull it off quite so well. But definitely very expensive look about him all right what about lucy so lucy's appearance um changed rather suddenly in the course of the couple of weeks since her last flight at this point in her life she's um she's like five six average height she's got a short shock of very bright unnaturally dyed hair like red hair she's if you look at her arms she has snake tattoos all over one arm on her back, she has a pair of, like, those... If you go into a theater, you see the happy and sad, like, uh, tragedy and comedy masks. She has a gigantic tattoo of that that she does not remember getting across her back. And it's constantly in generally relatively goth... Like, she looks like a punk rock at this point. That's not out of choice. She's a 35-year-old researcher. She just can't find anything else in her closets anymore. And whenever she tries to replace it, it just doesn't she can't pull off anything else anymore at this point so she just she's a very very tired researcher she looks like she just came out of a massive bender as well just hangover in a person at this point like full bags under her eyes and a little bit snappy all right we've got a rather world weary looking party except for caspian who always looks like he's rich like Which he is, anyway. kind of, I think. Moderately. There'd be people in the church who are way richer, for sure. But 
He does all right. Comfortable. So the three of you have convened in Los Angeles, California, in an Orpheus safe house in the city. And as the three of you, it's, 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 uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, the safe house is in a small shop house on the second floor. It's kind of like a bodega. You give the cashier the appropriate like Orpheus call phrase. They give you a response. They let you go upstairs. And then it's a very quaint, small uh, safe house. It looks like it used to be an actual like an apartment before Orpheus got a hold of it and did a few renovations, not much to attract attention, but enough to make it usable and livable as a sort of base. There is a small weapons locker in this place. There's enough beds for up to four people. Kitchenette, all the usual stuff you find in an apartment, plus a few extras. And it is here that the three of you uh, meet up in what passes for a meeting room, which is actually more or less the living room cordoned off to be a meeting room where you sit down around a laptop and take a video call from your handler, whose name is Tennessee. As the video link goes through, you see a kind of scruffy-looking American man, full beard, dark brown hair, brown eyes. It's kind of rugged-looking. Is the sort of person who you will figure has either been on the road or been in, some, been in the service in some way. And uh, he goes, all right, I see the three of you have settled in quite nicely. Yeah, comfortable travel arrangements getting here. I think Oscar is just like nervously chewing on a gas station Slim Jim, like one of those really long ones. Yeah, Caspian's probably just uh, arms folded, leaning on a wall behind everyone, but within view of the laptop. I'm definitely on the couch. But like balled up into a little ball, so I'm taking up no space, like not touching anybody. Like I'm clearly supposed to be on the couch, so I am, but like your knees are up to your chest. Right. Even though they're inside, and I'm sure that it's a relatively dark room. Lucy is very much wearing sunglasses and a hat at this point, looking like she's nursing the worst hangover of her life still. She probably is. <laughs> Depending on where you came from in the country, you probably had some refreshments in the flight or in the airport. She doesn't fly sober at this point. She knows better. <laughs> I'll just knock myself out with booze and then hope and pray that I wake up in the airport as opposed to, I don't know, in hell. If she doesn't make it, it's better than the alternative, probably given her job. He looks at the three of you and goes, right, well, here is your mission for today. Caspian, you'll be taking charge of the cell as you investigate, well, your own church. We have reason to believe that there is a person or persons within the Church of Scientology that work for applied materials. We can corroborate this with some intelligence we gained from an operation in South Africa. The, our operatives literally just pulled that information. is why we had to scramble to get you three here. And since Caspian, well, is in the Church of Scientology, we figure he was the best fit. So your objective is simple. We need to find this person or persons within the Church of Scientology that have ties to applied materials, figure out who they are, names, occupation, whatever, and then investigate them to the best of your ability. That means if you find out where they work, investigate their workplace. If you find out any leads or locations that they go to, go to those places. We need to figure out where or what this person does that allows applied materials to have this much funding for their for their things that they do overseas. 
Do we think that this person's siphoning money out of the church and into applied materials pockets? Is that what? Oh no, 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 no. This person or persons must be working for a company that is discreetly funding applied materials, either by either by choice or they're acting as a sort of a money laundering uh, service for them. Either or, we're not we're not too sure at this point. And what do we have to start out with? The intelligence that we that we gained points to one or two individuals within the Church of Scientology. They don't appear to be too high within the church although the financial records we pulled from that south from the south africa op indicate that they must be pretty serious in terms of how much they contribute to the church in order for them to accurately and very discreetly go about this money laundering or discreet funding or whatever it is they're doing for applied materials also i think this is related to the plane ride that Agent Mercury here went through. Oh, God. Not this shit again. Yep. How so? We've done a li- we did a little bit of digging for the time being while you, the three of you were in transit. And we've come up with a few interesting names. And we would like you to make sure that the person or persons that you find belongs to or works for one of these companies. So you're looking for anyone that has a connection to Black Steel Industries. They are an American private security contractor. Think of them as mercenaries, essentially. They are comprised mostly of military personnel, ex-military, either American or international. Uh, they provide security forces and people and weapons for applied materials. They're... Uh, their soldiers have been seen engaging in combat with active Orpheus personnel, both in South Africa and in Europe, just recently. Are they, like, just ordinary humans who are very good with guns, or are they... At uh... this point, no. Our team in Finland encountered an operative of Black Steel that was able to go invisible and, and had advanced cybernetic implants. As advanced as ours, if not even more so. Ah, no supernatural abilities? As far as you know, no. These soldiers are on the technical side of things. Got it. Uh, the next company you're looking for is Greenwich Global Shipping and Logistics. They're a logistics company based in Iceland. They run international shipping routes, both by air and by sea. Our team in Japan recently had to intercept one of their cargo freighters that went missing out in the south in the uh, east china sea on the southwestern coast of japan that is the only connection we really have with greenwich we haven't had any contact with other personnel related to that shipping company mostly it's just that investigation regarding the uh missing ship so just checking greenwich probably doesn't have kill squads they probably just have big boats and they probably just smuggle bad shit is that about big right? Big boats and big planes, yeah. Great. No kill squads. That's all I needed to hear. <laughs> that's that's all we know about Greenwich. We they don't have kill squads. We think <laughs> this this is all this is all information as the, as it develops. So all these operations right. that I'm telling you about have been occurring literally within hours of each other, like in the last 24 to 48 hours. Oh God. Yeah, it's a rapidly <laughs> developing situation. I'm trusting those operations have gone well, mostly? Yes, they have indeed gone well. 
thankfully. So far, none of the sales that I that I've been in contact with, they haven't screwed up yet. Here, let's not make it a first. <laughs> Do we have any sense what's led to this escalation? Uh, for for today, hmm. And he, you can see him think for a bit. In terms of escalation, I highly doubt that anyone might be sending a kill squad for you three, considering that whatever these people's involvement in applied materials and their network is, they have gone through a lot of hoops to keep it hush-hush. And they probably want to keep it that way. Exactly. In fact, it's uh, it's been so hush-hush that, for the most part, I don't think the people or group of people has even acknowledged the fact that their parent company is do- is funding applied materials endeavors. They might not even know that that their company is doing all this nonsense, you know? Next is Stark Contrast Media. These are an American mass media conglomerate. They run a lot of advertising campaigns in and around the United States. In fact, you might have seen one of a couple of their adverts if you've watched TV, seen billboards, read magazines and newspapers, that sort of thing. They mostly help uh, bigger companies run advertising campaigns. They aren't actually advertising themselves, so they handle all the filming, all the CG work, voiceover, all that sort of stuff. We have reason to believe that this media company actually works for Applied Materials as a sort of PR company. They run disinformation campaigns, general PR, and mostly just shine Applied Materials in a bigger light. We don't have any other real connections to that company other than that. A uh, quick out-of-character question. Is Applied Materials, like, a known name? out? Like, is it a company that actually exists? Yeah, they're a real-life uh, electronics manufacturing company. All right, cool. So, lore-wise, they're the same company, or they fill a similar role as they do in our own world. So, they're less electronics and more just sort of uh, general raw materials and processing. So, instead of uh, manufacturing electronics, they are they handle a lot of raw materials like ore, minerals. Hence the South Africa and the um, Greenwich uh, Shipping Company connections. Got it. Mm-hmm. Actually, the South Africa op, you would have been, you, you can either get briefed on or read up on, was actually an undercover op for an unrelated, not, not really unrelated, a sort of like tangentially related tech startup business in Johannesburg called Hexadyne Industries. The three agents that went on that operation were undercover within that operation for like three weeks until they got the go code and uh, dredged up all of this intelligence that you and I are acting on. You and other uh, agents around the world are acting on the intelligence gained from the South Africa op, essentially. Uh, All the stuff that Tennessee has told you has literally resulted from the actions of those three agents in Africa. Yeah, perfect. So we've got three more companies of interest then. Yep. Next is GeneLink. They're an American biomedical firm. They handle research development of medical technology, stuff like medicine, medical equipment used in operating theaters, stuff like that. We have reason to believe that this company is in cahoots with applied materials by choice. As far as I know, the heads of this company are the sort of people who put profit over everything. But other than that, intelligence on this company is rather vague. We haven't had an operation against them in a while. 
and they've kind of kind of fallen off Orpheus's radar until up until this point. And then we got Dollar and Cents Financing. This one should be a no-brainer. They're a financing firm headquartered in Southeast Asia, specifically on the island of Singapore. They handle a lot of international, multinational transactions, and they have a lot of high-profile clients as well as confidential ones because, you know, they're a banking firm, client confidentiality and all that. And last but not least, we got Face Test Manufacturing. This is an American industrial company. They are... They're not a company, more a conglomerate. They own several smaller companies related to the manufacturing of mechanical and industrial machines on a large scale. Construction equipment, vehicles, and uh, we haven't had the proof of this, but they may or may not manufacture weapons as well on the sly. But for the most part, Hephaestus handle machines, big machines. So you're looking for people or peoples within the Church of Scientology, specifically the... uh, the branch of the church that's within Los Angeles. You're looking for anyone that has connection to any of these six companies. Okay. Once you find once you find them, report back to me, and then you will go on a brief investigation of any branch offices or other facilities that any of those companies might have in LA. Do we have any sense of what they what their interest might be in the church? Do they just happen to be members or is there some sort of connection here? We believe that they might be using the church to cover up what they might be doing with applied materials, or they literally are just a, coincidentally a member of the church and they really don't know what their, comp- their parent company is doing. We don't really have a we don't really have a good idea, as you can see, which is why we're sending the three of you in to find out. Yeah, maybe maybe applied materials is harvesting the thetans. Or some of the weird Scientology shit. I don't know. Could I get a glare from Caspian? <laughs> that would be pretty dangerous if they were harvesting the Thetans. Yes. Yes, very dangerous. Sounds like a very dangerous thing to do. Ah, uh, man. I haven't, I haven't joined a cult in years. I'm going to have to relearn all this. Don't worry. I'm sure Caspian here can help you with that, considering he is still an active member of the church. Excellent. So are we posing as just entirely new members, or are we infiltrating as if we're higher-level members of the church? Yes, you'll be going into the church as fresh recruits off the boat, if you will. For the most part, Caspian will guide you around, and the three of you need to figure out who this person or persons are, figure out who they work for, and then do a little bit more investigating after that, just to figure out why... They might have a person within the church, figure out what these uh, what this company is actually doing for applied materials, and then report back to me. Sounds good. Got it. We uh, will head right over to the church right now. You got it. Any other any other questions? I'm forgive my suspicion or my uninformed curiosity, but is the Church of Scientology actually got supernatural monkey shit going on? I, I've always it's been a personal interest of mine for a while. Or is it just a standard run-of-the-mill cult? Short answer, yes. Unfortunately, oh it's the sort of nonsense that Orpheus as a whole has already noticed. It's uh... one of the reasons why we haven't taken over the cult or taken it down just yet. It's because I don't know about like this cult thing. It seems to work pretty well for me. Sorry, not... Uh... 
your uh yeah my apologies i'll Ten- my tennessee words. gives caspian this sort of pointed like come on dude sort of look it's, it's, it's one of those looks that says you you know who signs the paychecks it's not it is not the church well it is the church but it's also orpheus caspian kind of shrugs and uh so if there's nothing else uh i suppose none of you drove here today think i'm driving in this condition uh, I probably <laughs> rented a car. Oscar probably rented a car. Yeah, Lucy definitely took an Uber. Uh, before we leave, I think uh, Caspian will gear up out of the gun locker. All right, so what are you taking? There is a small assortment of guns. Anything you would be able to find in like a, in like a strip mall gun store you would find here? Uh, would in, there be like, like Kevlar? Guns. Yep. So that uh, pistol... Are we going to yep. sh- show up at, like, the Church of Scientology, like, recruitment center in body armor? Is that what we're doing? I mean, this is Kevlar vests that you can feasibly hide underneath another article of clothing. So oh, yeah, Caspian's not wearing anything that makes the suit look not as good. <laughs> yeah, so... What time of year is this, by the way? Oh, this is 2018. Uh, this is actually near the end of the year, so it's around about November, early November, so it's cold. Or at least I, I think mean, it is still LA. LA. Yeah, fair. So it's colder, but not like <laughs> it's going to snow cold. 25 Celsius instead of 30 Celsius. Lucy is a thousand percent not taking any Kevlar in that case. Oscar Baggy. probably will if there's appropriate Kevlar. Oscar definitely is overdressed already, in, not in terms of quality, but just quantity, like a big bulky coat and sort of like worn work gene in that case taking a kevlar vest would be very easy for uh, oscar to conceal because he's wearing such big baggy clothing i think that's right you could wear, wear a t-shirt the vest and then another another your jacket and then your a jacket and then your, your big coat and no one would notice he's probably got like yeah like a like a shirt like a flannel and then and then like a kind of a you know like a canvas jacket or if no one were taking you seriously you look like a hobo yeah he's definitely got that that kind of hobo vibe going on no question probably like you've got you've got uh, wool gloves without the fingers (laughs) (laughs) if you really want to sell it yeah you're probably right and just like like a giant bundle of like uh, yeah like Again, just like gas station Slim Jims stuffed into a pocket. Like they don't fit at all. They're just sticking out, but <laughs> just like a bundle of them. Perfect for LA. Yeah. <laughs> Lucy looks down at her assortment of tattoos. Do, do I need to hide these? Does Scientologists care? No, it's just fine. Perfect. Yeah, we, we deal with all kinds of... Uh, Artists and creative types. Uh, it's more about what's going on in your head than what's uh, about going on in your body. So, what do we have to do to join this organization or pretend? So, I don't know anything uh, about Scientology. Oscar doesn't know anything about Scientology and, and doesn't want to fuck it up. Lucy very much knows. Doesn't know anything and doesn't really want to learn either. 
So Caspian will give a brief overview that is uh, very much the, the low level, not getting up into the uh, the dead alien volcano stuff. Uh, more like, uh, well, it, it's about finding the the sources of trouble in your life and trying to find uh, a greater equilibrium in how we live our lives. We find a lot of our members uh, find it's a uh, Kind of an ideal replacement for uh, psychotherapy or any sort of uh, psychoactive drugs that might be needed. <laughs> so Caspian will go on like that as we, as we walk down to the parking lot. Um, Oscar is deeply concerned at the prospect of of, of not having psychotherapy in the future. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, you'll go on about the first step is uh, doing a personality test. When we get there, we'll just go right in the in the main public entrance of the church and uh, get you set up. But I'll uh, I'll make sure that I take charge of the whole process so we don't raise too many questions. Can you fail the personality test? Is it that kind of test? <laughs> I suppose if you don't have one, Caston kind of laughs to himself. <laughs> Oscar is very worried about failing the personality test. <laughs> He's like, oh no, what if my personality is bad? It might not be good. God, is he going to actually end up a Scientologist at the end of this? <laughs> that would be hilarious and not entirely unreasonable. Yeah, so what, what sort of car did Oscar drive in on? Or in? So Oscar definitely rented a car, but somehow got like a car that is clearly too old to be on a rental lot, like like a mid-90s Oldsmobile or something that should have been put out to pasture, but somehow is still around. So just an old four-door sedan. Yeah. Probably older than any of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Caspian, uh, Oscar leads the three of you, the two of you to an old beat-up four-door sedan it's probably like it probably used to be off-white and time has not been kind now it looks more like it's it's, it's as off-white as you could get <laughs> it's gone from off-white to just dirty like now Caspian kind of see sneers you want us to take this uh, oscar like like just like pulls his head into his shoulders and gestures feebly towards the car like uh yeah I guess I don't have another car. We could take my ride and gestures at the brand new Lexus across the street. <laughs> Lucy's already sliding into the Oldsmobile. Caspian kind of shrugs and opens the the passenger seat door and brushes off the seat. So I guess Oscar gets in the car and turns it on, and there's like a Rush CD like in the CD player. <laughs> it's like just picks up where it left off and uh, fumbles with his phone for a minute, like Google's like Scientology headquarters. And that probably doesn't turn up like a useful address. So he's like fumbling around trying to figure out the address of the damn building. It would actually. Would it? Uh, Does it? Scientology <clears throat> yeah. yeah. It would point to uh, 4810 Sunset Boulevard. All right. Well, then I guess we're good to go. We're off. So the three of you exit the Orpheus safe house in this beat-up four-panel, four-door four sedan. 
And it takes you a bit to get to, what was the address again? Uh, 4810. 4810 Sunset Boulevard. 4810 Sunset Boulevard. And you pull up to this massive blue building with a big strange cross on top on the roof with a giant sign that says Scientology draped over the front of the building. Interesting. So yeah, we'll we'll find a parking lot. And uh I'm willing to bet there's a there's an empty parking space this time of day. It's probably mid morning going to about lunchtime. Well, I guess we'll I'll defer to Caspian because Caspian is recruiting us, basically. The Caspian is the, the most well dressed out of the three of you. Also true. So uh, Caspian will gesture and lead you in the front doors of the public entrance, which uh, is on kind of the other side of the building, like around the corner, uh, into kind of like a glassed in atrium area. And uh, there are kind of reader people there who. I guess they would know Caspian, kind of guessing they look twice at uh, at the company he's keeping, but don't ask questions, or do they? So as you approach the actual entrance to the building, you can see one of the greeters at the door. He looks at the three of you, does a double take, kind of squints past the glaring sun of the, of the mid-morning, and then you see a grin. Uh, slowly spread across his face as he uh, takes a step or two towards you, Caspian, and extends his hand and goes, Mr. Smith, good to see you again. Uh, do, I, do I know this person? Uh, he's a regular greeter. You, uh, you know his name as Bobby. He's probably worked as a door greeter for about, for about as long as you've been in the church. You don't, you, don't, you, don't see, you don't see him regularly because, you know, shifts. It always kind of works out when... When he's on duty, you are walking into the building. And so the two of you know each other by name and by face. He doesn't quite know what you do in the church, but he is sort of like buddy-buddy with you in the sense that he's see- basically seen you for the better part of him working here. Oh, good to see you, Bobby. Uh, we've got a couple of new recruits here today. Uh, don't need to worry about it, though. I'll look after them. He nods, kind of looks Lucy over, doesn't say anything. Looks, looks Oscar over, and, and you can definitely tell that he's taking his time looking over Oscar as opposed to Lucy. Um, okay. Sure, no problem, Mr. Smith. You uh, need any sort of help, or will you be handling this one yourself? Uh, maybe you could give me a hand booking the, the e-meters. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, I'll see about getting someone to cover for me, and then I'll uh, join, you, join you in a couple minutes. Uh, why don't you use the uh, uh, the interview rooms? I think on the second floor. How does that work? Sure. Uh, are there going to be any kind of public meetings in the next little while? I thought it would be good to get these folks uh, kind of right into the mix. Uh, and you see him check uh, wristwatch. I think there's a public meeting. I think about fifteen twenty minutes from now, or was that about an hour from now? Ah, damn it! And he, you can see him fumbling for. Uh, for like a brochure or a little pamphlet that he had in his uh, in the pocket of his jeans. Uh, where is it on the schedule today? Oh yeah, no, yeah, it's an hour from now, so you should have plenty of time to do the processing work for these two. Excellent, excellent. So we'll just, we'll just head on in then. All right, I'll see you at the meeting. Uh, one thing before you step away. Um, 
Where would I get a coffee around here, by any chance? And Lucy's also just trying to get a little bit of a read on the guy for how he interacts with her directly. And, like, how well he deals with stupid questions. In fact, could I make this an empathy roll, by any chance? Just trying to discern if a motivation out of it. Just asking him, like, a couple of dumb questions just to see how he engages, how he interacts. Sure, make that empathy check. Ooh, good roll. Um, I'm going to put the three temps straight into that to make it an eight. So with an eight, you sort of assail this poor guy with a bunch of random, unrelated questions. Hey, do you know where to get coffee? Where's, like, the nice, where's, like, a nice place to eat? Do you come here often? <laughs> There isn't a Starbucks, but it's a cafe nearby. And a Wendy's. Oh, there is a Starbucks. It's just a couple... It's a block down. It's a block from Elrond Hubbard Way. Beautiful. And the moment that he mentioned Starbucks, I think Lucy just launches into a ramble about their sourcing methods and, like, the injustices that they're perpetrating across the world and different local cafes and just totally bullshitting, but just trying to harass the poor guy and just yeah, see you how he feels. You harass him pretty well. Okay, so you determine that one of this guy's biggest bonds to the church is, well, the church itself. It gave him a new purpose in life. And he kind of owes the church a, well, a career and also money. So it's not that he's necessarily a true believer. It's that he's benefits heavily from the church and he gives back in kind is that about right yeah that's about right the church is is basically keeping him off the streets so he doesn't have to be totally homeless and also hey he owes he owes the church money but he's gonna slowly work off his debt to become maybe and maybe ascend to a higher plane of existence sooner or later i'm sure i get that out of just him being like and him just kind of sighing and occasionally being like like, unenthusiastic, yeah, he, but doing his job anyway. Yeah, he occasionally grumbles to you, like, yeah, sometimes the hours aren't great, he has to stand out here in the hot, hot sun, no breaks, but hey, it's better than sleeping on the street corner, am I right? Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Eventually, Lucy does let up with the rants and rambles, and slips immediately back into full cell and silence. All right, so the three, the two of you are led by Caspian into this building. It's you head into this building. It's the first thing that you smell is, well, it's it's like this, the faint sort of disinfectant smell one would get if you step into a hospital because this is what this building used to be, the hospital, but it's very faint. Like it's not the sort of place that is is like constantly clean. You know what I mean? So that whole disinfectant medicine smell has gone away with time and a, a lot of cleaning. But it's, it, it's sort of there reminding you that this place used to be a hospital. But other than that, it, this place doesn't really smell of much. It looks like a hospital, but it's been converted into a sort of more or less a giant quote-unquote church slash office building. And so the, the main hallway that you're in right now is just rows upon rows of doors in a single hallway. And these doors open up into individual rooms. You can clearly tell that some of these rooms are interview rooms, and they used to be uh, wards where they would hold patients. Caspian leads you up to the second floor. It is another hallway with a bunch more rooms like this. And he takes you into one of them and closes the door. Inside this room is a nice table. 
could probably sit three or four people if you squeeze. There is a strange looking device on the table here. It looks like it's two metal cylinders with a bunch of wires. Imagine like if you'd hooked up an amp meter to these two strange metal cylinders, that sort of thing. There is another person in here who looks like they just got here. Uh, they see you, Caspian, walking in. They take a, It takes a moment for the sort of recognition to click in and they nod and go, Mr. Smith, my presence was requested. And do I know them? Uh, they're one of the recruiters. You don't really know them personally, but they're part of the grander, bigger scheme of things in the sense that they are one of the people who does who does these uh, personality tests and interviews for the church. Sure. Uh, yeah, uh, we, we've got these uh, these two strong recruits. So I, I think uh, they all make exceptional new members, and I think the church will be able to help them out quite a bit. He nods and uh, looks at the two of you, gives the both of you a once-over, again, lingering on Oscar. And then he goes, all right, uh, sir, madam, if you would please take a seat on the other end of this table, or, or uh, which one of you would like to go first, please take a seat on the other side of this table. I would request that the other person, whoever it may be, stand outside. This process should only take about 10 to 15 minutes. Lucy volunteers to go second. Okay, okay. so Oscar goes first. Oscar will shuffle over to the end of the table. <laughs> Uh, Lucy, you are calmly asked to leave and wait outside. Caspian uh, Caspian also have to... Mm -hmm. Oh no, Caspian can stay in because he's already a Scientologist and he helps with the recruitment, so... Right. Oscar, you are directed to sit in the chair facing these two strange sort of hand-sized metal cylinders connected to this weird reader thingy. And this person sits across from you and gestures to the two cylinders and goes, uh, if you please, would you grab the conduits with your hands? Uh -huh. Give sort of a self-conscious hand wipe and then, and then grab them. Now, I'm going to ask you a series of questions. And please answer as honestly as you are able to. If at any point in time the interview makes you uncomfortable, you please let me know. And I, you can take a moment or if you need to leave. Just let me know. You you are free to leave. And uh, this this uh, man also turns to Caspian and goes, uh, Mr. Smith, are you okay with staying here, or do you have other business elsewhere? Um, I'll I'll step out. So Very I'll yeah, open is... the door and go out into the hall. Yep, Lucy. You see, the, oh, a moment later, the door opens. Caspian steps out. Door closes. Is Lucy still there? Um, I was just about to get to that. Is there anybody in the hallway there? Uh, it's mid-morning, so there's a couple of people, uh, a single janitor, and a, a small sort of scattering of people walking to and from different rooms in the hallway. Um, uh, some of some of them, uh, Caspian, uh, recognize Caspian in passing. They give him a warm smile, a nodding greeting as they walk by. But nothing. But it's not crowded. Lucy would look around for anywhere that's not too crowded, if she can get just. She's looking for like 10 or 15 seconds of privacy, even if it means going to the bathroom. Uh, yeah, definitely bathroom. Once she's there, she takes out her knife. She cuts a small nick onto her arm and traces along the snake tattoo on her left arm, activating impossible geometries. 
so of course Lucy's immediate goal is just to slip into the room just to hear if anything's going on and make sure that there's no um, actual legitimate brainwashing going on or anything like that. Uh, yeah, you do this. There's no one around to roll breakdown checks for. So you carve, you slowly draw a line to Im- that imitates your snake tattoo and you sort of slip sideways into your liminal space that you're so very familiar with. What, so what what does Lucy look like as she's transitioning to this otherworldly plane? I think in this case, it would look kind of like reality was slowly... Think like a really, really thick pantyhose over, like from her head down. Just kind of, it looks like she's being eaten by a snake in this case. Just a very translucent one that slowly whisks her away into this liminal space, leaving just... A little hint impression of dancing lights, maybe a little bit of some vague feeling of slithering, but that's about it. And you do that, you are now sort of sideways in between the spaces, and it doesn't take you very long to go back to the same room that you were waiting outside of, because, well, obviously, Caspian's standing outside the room. You can see him. Don't know what he's doing, but he's there. Yep. And I don't care if Caspian sees. I'm just making sure that... He doesn't see you. (laughs) (laughs) Because you're in a liminal space. Um, Unless Caspian is actively trying to look for you, he probably wouldn't see you. Mm -hmm. So you slip into the interview room through a crack in the door. Mm -hmm. And uh, you you come across this sort of same tableau. Uh, Oscar is sitting on one end of the table, grabbing uh, these two metal cylinders. And on the other side is the interviewer, who is looking at this uh, strange... Uh, reader sort of dealio and noticing the random spikes of sort of I I suppose electrical activity within his body causing the needle on this meter to jump. Oscar I would like you to roll a presence check with your charisma just to see how well you do in this particular interview. So uh, badly Uh, the answer is badly the result is a minus two but uh, this would be with your charisma, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Oscar is fully charisma dumped. Oscar is very much like, ju- just like a nervous puppy. Poor thing. You're probably shaking. <laughs> so you- I, I was like, like I, <laughs> I, I really wanted to ask uh, Caspian, like before I left the room, Oscar was probably sitting there with his hands on the thing, like he's supposed to be grabbing the thing, but he also wants to like hold up a hand and be like, wait, no, I need help. But, but like, doesn't want to let go of the thing. Cause he's supposed to be holding it. And finally, uh, Caspian is gone and Oscar hasn't managed to say or make any sort of gesture. And now he's just like alone and terrified. He's like, wait, no, no, come back. Oh God. <laughs> and, oh, and then yeah. proceeds to do very badly in his uh, interview. Yeah, as you sort of go through this personality test interview with this strange man, you notice him sort of, every now and then he taps at the reader like he's trying to dislodge the needle from a certain point on the reader to get an accurate reading. And his eyes sort of like go up to you, go down to your hands, looks back at the reader, goes up to your hands again. Uh, every now and then he also he will quietly say to you, um, Sir, could, if you don't mind, could you please um, dry your palms and then we can continue? <laughs> 
just copious palm sweat. Oscar, you are very certain that after you are done with this, the, the man is going to have to wipe down those two readers, whatever they are. <laughs> poor God, like, poor they're Oscar. They're never going to let me into their cult. <laughs> Later, they're not going to like me at all. Okay, so you plow through this interview with as much gusto as you can manage. And by gusto, I mean quietly knee-shaking sweaty palms, occasionally stuttering your answers, sort of stumbling your way through this personality test. It raises a few eyebrows. Like, if you're asked certain questions that really don't resonate with you, you give them a weird answer. And then you can... You, you sort of notice the, the very subtlest, like, the lower part of your eyes is sort of twitching, like... <sighs> But eventually, the man reaches the end of his um, 20 questions and goes, all right, well, I'll take this result into processing. If you would be so kind as to give me your name and a phone number in which we could contact you, we will get back to you regarding the results of your interview. Yeah, so I think Oscar's happy to provide a name and a phone number. Is it going to be your actual name? Yes. Yes, I think it probably is. I don't recall being given... You were not given a like a code name for this operation, so that's not something Oscar's going to come up with on his own. Yeah, so no, Oscar's just like, yep, just dumping his own name there. And I assume you also give him the number of the Orpheus burner phone that you use. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you do that. Uh, this guy writes it down. Surprisingly, he doesn't write it down on a piece of paper, but he writes it down on his palm. And uh, he goes, all right, Mr. Wint, there are waiting rooms downstairs and coffee machines and, and uh, vending machines if you need a drink. I will call you again on your phone shortly with the results of your interview. Uh-huh. Now, if you'd be so kind as to step outside, we'll interview your friend or this, uh, the, the, uh, the madam that is standing outside. Yep, well, Oscar will, will see himself out. And then probably go find that water cooler. Yep, you stand up, exit the room. Caspin's standing there. Lucy is conspicuously absent. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, wonder Lucy, why. Lucy would make it back. As soon as Lucy realizes, oh god, the interview's ending, she would make a break for the bathroom to get back into reality. Before she does that, during the interview, is she able to make any roles for like making sure that... No, this electrical device is not a brainwashing machine or anything like that. So you can actually, you can, so you could totally make a knowledge occult role with your cognition just to see if there's any, if there's any unnatural shit going on in here. Great. Uh, I'm going to take a plus two in lieu of rolling. Uh, does knowledge eldritch apply in this case, or just knowledge occult? It's just knowledge occult. Okay. Then no skill in that. So yeah, that's just a five. You don't quite get the sense that there's anything overtly unnatural about this process. You mostly chalk it up to the fact that from what you've read about Scientology, it's mostly pseudoscience bullshit, and it strikes you that this is probably part of that pseudoscience bullshit. Yep, makes perfect sense. And um, would she have to make any uh, stealth rolls at any point while she's impossible geometry? Oh no, you are in a liminal space, no one's here. So you slither your way back to the bathroom, come pop back into the regular world, and make a show of washing your hands as and you exit the bathroom and see Oscar stepping out of the, in the interview room looking positively pale. 
as Lucy passes by Oscar, she just pats him on the shoulder like, it's all right, buddy, you'll get him next time. Caspian, uh, asked, did it really go that badly? Uh, did it really go that badly? Yeah, it did. Lucy discreetly nods. Yeah, it, w- it went pretty badly. It wasn't great. I don't do well with interviews. Ah, uh, don't worry about it. We'll, uh, we'll go down to the meeting room soon. The results won't really matter for anything at all. This is kind of just a, a formality for, for this investigation. Oh, good. That's good. Yeah. Some people just aren't cut out for Scientology. Kind of like it in here, though. Lucy just gives him a good long look as she strolls into the room. <laughs> right, so Lucy, you stroll into this interview room. It's, it's small and cramped, just like you remember from earlier. The interviewer is casually scribbling something down onto, his, onto the palm of his hand in a ballpoint pen. And I guess uh, you... paper prices have gone up recently, haven't they? I just did, forgot to bring my notebook with me. <laughs> I've got a spare if you want it. A spare notebook? She just reaches over into her backpack, digging around. I think she would have a notebook, considering. I don't think it would be oh, why, don't, why don't you roll a luck check for me, just to see if you have an extra notepad? Sounds good. Apparently I have several notebooks. You actually find a very fresh new notepad that it hasn't even left the plastic packaging. You haven't even opened it yet. See all my good luck on this bullshit. It's a very small, plain-looking black notepad. You pull it out of your backpack, rip off the plastic packaging, and hand it to him. You can see the guy's eyes actually like light up with any, a spark of personality that you didn't see before. And he goes, oh, um, thank you. Your generosity is very much appreciated, uh, ma'am. My pleasure. Happy to help. And you can see him flipping open the cover of the notepad and scribbling down the same stuff he had in his palm. And then sort of with with a with a bit of an effort wiping the palm of his hand on the side of his jeans. Actively try not to laugh out loud. After he's done writing down what he had to write down, the man keeps the notepad in and pen in his pocket and then says uh, now, ma'am, if you'd be so kind as to sit in the chair across from me. Once you are seated, I would like you to dry the palms of your hands as dry as you can make them, and then hold on to the two cylinders on the table. Mm-hmm. Lucy does so. Now I'm going to ask you a series of questions. At any point in time, if you're feeling uncomfortable, please let me know, and I will stop the interview. If at any point in time you choose to leave, you are f- free to do so. And then he goes on the same sort of spiel that he did with Oscar. And I would like you to roll a presence check with Charisma. Okay. Is, that's made and broken. That's three plus threes that I've gotten in my last four rolls. Wow. <laughs> so you are uh, in very stark contrast to Oscar. You are the picture of calm. As you very sort of you casually and almost one would say... It's almost like you are giving a performance. Very well rehearsed answers, very well rehearsed reactions. Almost like I just watched this entire interview play out a moment beforehand. Almost as if, yeah, you watched this interview play out a moment beforehand, except with an even more nervous test subject. I mean, interviewee. You see the man nod approvingly several times throughout the course of his questioning. And at the end of it, he gestures for you to remove your hands from these metal cylinders and stands up. And goes, right, ma'am, uh, last thing I would like from you is your name and a phone number by which I would be able to contact you so that when the time comes for me to give you the results of your interview, I can contact you easily. 
Lucy considers giving a fake name, but considering that Oscar didn't at this point, actual actually hiding her identity would be a waste since if he's compromised and so is she, so she just gives her name anyway. Alright, and you also give the the Orpheus burner phone number that you were given. Yep. He scribbles that into his brand spanking new notepad and <laughs> uh, gestures to the door and goes, uh, thank you very much for your time. Uh, Miss consults the notepad. Mercury, your interview is now done. I will, like I said, I will contact you once we have pros- fully processed the results and I will see you all soon, I suppose. Uh, there are refreshments in the main lobby downstairs. Beautiful. I'd kill for a coffee right now. I look forward to meeting you again. <laughs> he smiles and nods. I could go for a coffee as well. But anti gestures to the notepad and the other, like, the reader sort of thing. That'll have to wait until I'm done with this. Enjoy. Grading tests. Such a fun hobby. And strolls out towards the meeting room. And uh, waiting room. Yeah, so you and this other man exit the room. The other man gives Caspian a brief nod of... Yeah, my job's done. And then he walks off in the opposite direction towards someplace. His footsteps echoing down the hallway. And the three of you are together again. This has been Hollywood is Bleeding, an Orpheus Protocol fan server production. Thank you to Greg for playing Caspian, Kale for playing Oscar, and Darby for playing Lucy. And I will see you in the next episode. Good night. Next time on Hollywood is Bleeding. Caspian accompanies the team as they anticipate the results of their interviews. The church holds more secrets yet unseen and the team require membership to access them. Their target finally makes himself known and the cell gains a direction to their investigation.